Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Mark Alone, 20 years of career and volunteer experience, a battalion chief with the West Columbia Fire Department, and also the creator of the Fire Inside blog, which is committed to preserving the calling of the fire service by restoring the core values of passion, dedication, and accountability. Mark is a battalion chief that never wants to forget his roots of what it's like being a firefighter and practices this through training, camaraderie, and fellowship. With that, I present Mr. Mark Alone. Hi, my name is Mark Alone. I'm a battalion chief with the West Columbia Fire Department in South Carolina. Been in the fire service since 2001. Started as a volunteer in my hometown of Winanskill, New York, which is a little town outside of Albany. Uh, volunteered through high school, joined Air Force, took a little break, uh, separated from the Air Force in 2007. Uh, joined my department where I live, which is Columbia County, Georgia. Uh, worked there for 12 years and then decided to take a lateral uh, position as a captain with West Columbia and recently made battalion chief. And I also run the Fire Inside blog, which has been around for, I think, six or seven years now um, and teach some classes at conferences and just love firefighting. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now that we got that out the way, um, let's talk about some things. Uh, so um, with the Fire Inside and how that blog what that blog states, like what it means for you, and what it means for others. How did you bring some of that into West Columbia? Like, as far as getting the buy-in of wanting people to actually care about the job? Yeah, I was pretty fortunate. I think the foundation was there. You know, I I, I went to West Columbia, you know, for, for a chain, operational change. I was looking for something a little busier. Um, and, and so just taking those values that I'd always set forward – mainly being an example myself, but, you know, the core values of my page are passion, dedication, and accountability. And I think, you know, to me, those are the three things that you need. I, I don't, I know there's a hundred core values you could list, but without those three things, without people who don't care, right. Without people who don't put in the work and without people who aren't accountable to themselves and others, it, it just doesn't flow no matter what else you're doing. And so I went in there um, and I, it, it's interesting to go in as a lateral because you're an outsider to a degree, but you're also mm -hmm. being brought in for your skill set. And I think the most difficult part of the transition for me was, you know, I didn't know the area. I don't know the occupancies. I don't know the, the aid partners. I don't know. I don't know the guys at the next station down the road. And so I really had to, to hold that accountability aspect, I think harder because I had to be accountable to my crews and Hey, I don't know what I don't know and really leaned on them a lot in the beginning, but also, had to be firm enough to say, Hey, I'm still the company officer of this crew. You know, we, this is my standard. These are my expectations. This is what I want to live up to. And so when you took those two things together, um, through that mutual respect, I think is really what brought it full circle for me and just kind of being out there and, and doing the things I was asking of others and, and being willing to learn why things were done a certain way, but also offering, Hey, this is my take on it. Or, you know, if it was different or even reaffirming like, Hey, this is cool. You know, this is what I'm all about too. So um, I think the the value of the page though, of just kind of bringing in here's somebody that, you know, gets to do all these things. And I think you get that 
don't know, I call it fake celebrity, right? Like I'm just a person. <laughs> I don't think people know that to teach at a conference, you have to apply, right? <laughs> they don't come find you. You ask them to come. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, people will tell me I have a name for myself, I guess, but I, I really just went in there, I think pretty humble and, and down to earth and didn't have that kind of, like I said, fake celebrity about me to where it's just, Hey, I'm, I'm just a fireman who likes doing fireman stuff and let's do it together. Okay. Uh, could you elaborate on how you even started the blog? Like what triggered, because it, 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 it never fails. There's always something or some sort of course or some direction in life where something happens that, makes you create whatever that is, you know, uh, create the change and become positive. Yeah. I think for me, you know, where I worked previously, West Columbia, the, the call volume distribution is pretty different between the stations. And so the side of the County I was on was the slower end, you know, not by choice. It's just, mm -hmm. got to work everywhere. Everybody needs fire protection. Right. And so um, as I transferred around and finally got to a busier station, I think I had become pretty um, arrogant in my skill set that wasn't there. And I went and started running these calls and realizing that my fitness was gone. My, you know, I, I could talk the talk, but I couldn't walk the walk. And so for me, it was more of a, a personal kind of thing that, that triggered it. Um, and so it, at the same time, that's when social media and the fire service was kind of starting to hit big guys mm -hmm. like Mark Monopin were out there. Um, Jared Sergi was probably the, the biggest influence on me. I started reading his page and, and that's really where the blog came from was, you know, I was frustrated about something one day and I, I sent Jared a message on Facebook. I was like, Hey man, like your page is really hitting home. And he's like, Oh, well, thank you. And we start talking back and forth. He's like, bro, like you've got some really awesome concepts. You got a really good way of communicating. You write well, you should start your own thing. And I'm like, nah, man, you know, I, I couldn't do that. Um, and so after a couple conversations, I decided to do it. He hooked me up with some other people like Ben Martin, uh, who does yeah. embrace the resistance and, and just a bunch of people that were already out there. They share my page and it just blew up. Um, and to this day, I don't know why, like I said, I, I just, you know, just kind of writing down some feelings and it's, it's kind of funny to, to look back now and read where I was then versus where I am now, both, you know, just my mentality and the way I articulated it. It's so different. It's kind of cool because you're like watching my growth as a firefighter, my growth as a company officer now into that chief role. And it, it's just so different, but it's still the same at this, like the, the underlying things are the same, but the perspective is so much different uh, with that experience. And I think <laughs> if you want to sum it up, uh, I just taught a, a, the revolutionary fire types at the late conference and somebody mm -hmm. came up to me uh, and just talked about the class. I said, yeah, I just love how you put it, man. It's just the right balance of like realism and sarcasm that just fits the fire service well. And I said, man, I didn't realize I was that sarcastic about it. He's like, no, no, you know, it's good. Like that's just your delivery. And that's people have told me for a long time, my delivery is different. The way I write is different. And, you know, if that's the case, cool. I mean, I, I feel like there's plenty of other guys saying the same thing, which is, you know, which is good, right? You know, that right. you know, means you're on the right track. But yeah, that's um, the long version of how it got started. Just me kind of having some some doubts about my own skill set and, you know, wanting to do better, not really having a good outlet in the situation I was in and and just finding other people that, that felt that way. And, and that just, man, it catapulted into so many things from, you know, the blog to writing, to teaching, to just getting me out to conferences. And, you know, that's, it's probably a disservice. There's, you know, 10 or 20 other people in there 
you know, that pushed me to go to this and try this and take that. Um, and so without all that coming together, it, it, the whole blog would not have come together. Um, and so it, it still goes today. It's, it's kind of, I, I, I don't write as frequently as I used to. I think that's a product of kind of me being a little more, um, temperamented with where I am right now, but also yeah. just, you know, my responsibilities, you know, have grown from when I started, I was a, a lieutenant on a two or three company engine to now I'm a, a battalion chief. And there's just, there's a lot of things that, you know, unfortunately I have to take the priority over it, but I think luckily it's, it's laminated enough where I don't have to write every day anymore for people to still follow and share it and believe in it. Um, and, and so that's the cool part to me is that they're, there's enough of a, I guess, brand for lack of a better word. Right. But there's enough of a right. following of it where, you know, even, even though there's a little time in between now that that core group of people is still there to believe it and share it and push it. And that's to me, that's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's about the message. Well said, it's not about you. It's about the message. Yeah. And yeah, if we had a lot more individuals, regardless of rank that, follow that i think the fire service could be so much more ahead of the curve than it than it currently is you know because like unfortunately we have people that it, it's all about them or it's it's my bugles and you do as you do as i say and you know it's 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 one of those lost it's like a lost form of communication for me yeah and I, you know it's funny i, I teach in my class i talk about the 10 10 80 10 principle i don't know if you've you've heard of that before some people call it i think it's 20 60 20 you know you can okay. percentages up but basically right. it says that you know 10 percent of your people are dialed in they're making the organization move you know for better or worse you know and then the bottom 10 percent are people that are completely disengaged they don't care and then that 80 percent in the middle is going to go with whichever 10 percent is in power mm -hmm. and I think that as a fire service, we we spend 90% of our time on that wrong 10%. We're always trying to get that bottom to be the top, and it's not going to happen. It's not realistic. And you have to have a bottom. It's no different than, you know, professional sports or actors and actresses. You know, you there always has to be a bottom. Mm -hmm. um, but why we put so much time into it, I, I don't I don't get. You know, I, I think we alienate some of our high performers at, at the expense of that. Um, and we also, it prevents us from talking about all the good things that happen. Like there are so many people out there that are like your podcast is a perfect example. If you take the people that you've had, right. And, you know, arguably a bunch of people, people have heard of, and then on the flip side, people, nobody had probably heard of, but they're all doing the same thing. And, and that's why I love what you're doing is because it highlights the fact of look how many people are out here advancing the fire service. And it's so much different than the narrative out there that, every chief's a piece of crap out to, you know, right. Make us into a business, you know, and every company officer sits in a recliner all day and, and doesn't train. And, you know, every senior firefighters, a jerk and every probie's an idiot. Like it, the narrative is out there and it's not true because, you know, there's plenty of fire chiefs that go out and PT with their guys once in a while, but they also do their job in the office when it has to be done. There's mm -hmm. plenty of battalion chiefs that, you know, are out there doing it. And there's plenty that don't do it. And, that, and that's fine. Um, to me, it's, are you effective? You know, what, what you're doing is not necessarily as important as the impact that it's having. Maybe you don't need to go out there and, and spend 24 hours with the, with the guys from your position to get results out of them. And that's fine. If that's your style. And then there's other people that enjoy it. It's so personal to me of how it, but, but the end result, the outcome when it matters on the fire ground is what should matter. And instead we're sitting here judging people about their firehouse etiquette instead of their fire ground etiquette. That, that to me is what you're speaking of that big dis disconnect. 
I like the way you put that. Firehouse <laughs> etiquette instead of your fire ground etiquette. And yeah, I, I just yeah because we don't it's, we, we don't work in a firehouse, man. That's I appreciate for years. Like we work in the district. We mm -hmm. you report to the firehouse. You you have your your downtime and you live in the firehouse, and that's where you prep and train and do all the the BS stuff that that sucks about working for the fire department. That's part of it, but your work exception of a walk up and God forbid your firehouse ever catches on fire. You work in the district and that's right. why we focus so much more about what happens in the firehouse and what happens on the fire ground is, is to me the root of the entire problem of the modern fire service. Yes. Big problems. hundred percent. Right. I, I like it. I like it because we, we, we tend to shift our focus and I, when I say we, I don't mean all of us, but we all know who we're talking about. People, individuals that do that, they focus more on the little things than the actual job performance. And that, that that's the thing. It's, it, it's, it's all about the job performance because we can't predict when that call is going to happen, but we can try to be, we can try to make sure we're damn near ready to go do it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think too, it, it is worth, saying and, and maybe this is again where my perspective is changing now as my role has changed is that you know some of those little things that didn't seem to matter a lot when I rode backwards you know or when I drove when I was company officer I get it now because if I can't trust you with some of the small things mm -hmm. in the firehouse I certainly can't trust you with big things outside the firehouse right and that's where to me the accountability aspect comes in of how you check your rig off matters, how you check your gear off matters, whether you're, what, what, what <laughs> PSI is acceptable for you and your air pack matters to me. And, and those are the thing people will turn their nose up at, but again, it, it's a teamwork thing. And that's something, you know, I've really tried hard pushing in our culture and our department, especially of late is, as we grow and things are changing, we're bringing new people in is that you can't act like individuals in the firehouse and then become a team outside of it. So why don't we clean together? Why don't we check the rigs off together? Why don't we train together, wash the trucks together? You know, I get you need some time away from each other, but if you're acting as individuals here, when I give you a task on the fire ground, you're, that teamwork component is not there and, and you're not going to make it up strictly in training. So that's where I say those things matter. Now, at the same time, you should be held as accountable for your, you know, your hose pole as you should be for how you mop the bay. Like those, those shouldn't be too different, you know, okay, well, we'll do better next time of, Oh, this is filthy. They right. need to exist together. And in something I'm, I'm trying to, I guess, grasp and communicate in a way that isn't, you know, like a sellout basically is just, you know, sometimes I think we portray that we're busier than we are. It's what was Absolutely. Us, work for 24 hours. Absolutely. Hours. We need a break. We we have to do all these things, and it's true. There there is a lot, especially you know. I work in a one station fire department. Like we have a lot of stuff on us, but at the same time, <laughs> there's time available, or there's ways to do your tasks more efficiently, or or manage your time better to where you you could accomplish them all. And it's a matter again of accountability, of motivation, you know, of pride. Really, is what it comes down to, and trying to instill those things in people. It takes the accountability of what you're talking about of holding people accountable for the things they do. And it sucks. I've had, I've been held accountable. It's awful. Right. It sounds real good to sit here and talk about it. until you're the guy being held accountable and you're like, 
why is everybody after me? And then you realize mm-hmm. like, crap, you know, I, I didn't keep up my end of the bargain. You mm-hmm. know, I, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And and that's, that's the hard pill to swallow. But once you swallow it, you get it. And then you get it in others and you, you kind of understand it and it spreads. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And I, I, I call it fluff. You know, <laughs> fire departments and firefighters tend to fluff a lot of things. But the biggest thing is for me, it's all about time management. If you use your time management wisely, you can most likely get about everything that you need to get done, done for the day. You know, for sure. How many hours do we spend solving the world's problems? Where if we solve them while we worked work, <laughs> yep. but, but we have to like take a pause and sit somewhere and, and get in a little circle and have a seance about it because <laughs> this has to be addressed right now. And I, trust me, I'm guilty. I, I love to, to get off on a tangent. I love to talk, you know, I, I love to talk fire service. I love to understand people's views and perspectives and their experiences, but you can do that with a truck brush in your hand just as easily as you can do mm-hmm. it sitting on the bumper, you know, and there's a time and a place for both. But again, like you said, manage your time. Let's, you know, let's complain about it in the cab while we're going out to do something instead of, you know, doing right. it in the bay. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Correct. Um, What would you say are you, like what are your ultimate goals, whether short term or or long term? Man, it's funny. I've heard you ask people this before when I listen, and I'm kind of I've been thinking about it. And you know, my my goal from a early on, which is contradictory to like what everybody else would tell you about motivated firemen, right? Like I always wanted to be a fire chief. I, I don't know why. Like it was just okay. something to be like I just thought, you know, being being in that role is just, to me, it's such an honorable position in our, in our service, the responsibility you have and getting to mold the department. But <laughs> as I've grown, as I've matured, I've, I've kind of realized that that's, that's the outside view of the fire chief. And like what a fire chief actually does is, man, I don't know that I would be good at it. I just, I'm, I don't know if I have the temperament. I don't know the tolerance. I'm certainly not politically savvy enough, you know, at this point in my life. Um, so you know, maybe that would be be out there still. You know, I don't know. Honestly, I, I never thought I would be a battalion chief this soon in my career. And so I, I kind of feel like my goals now have changed from positional to just being better at things, being better, you know, managing my time, being better at being a mentor, being better at being an incident commander, um, you know, being better about my balance between work and, you know, writing and speaking and, and home life and kind of, my kids are at that age now where I'm starting to appreciate home a little more you mm-hmm. know, than I have in the past. You know, I'm, I'm starting to see the time that you, know, you invest time over here, you lose time over here. So I think short term, it's just kind of taking the next two to five years to really, you know, watch my kids grow up and also grow up as a battalion chief. Right. Like, you know, I, I tell people all the time. <laughs> Every time you get a new promotion, you know, you're on probation again for a reason. It's a new gig. You've never done it before. You got, you know, just because you got promoted doesn't mean you've learned it all. Right. Um, but I think my ultimate goals, you know, I really, I, I don't know at this point, maybe a fire chief someday, but I, I would really like to just do what I need to do to be, remain relevant, to be able to speak on things that, you know, not just because oh, Mark speaks, right, but things that have you know, a message behind them that have some kind of context that's relevant to the fire service to not become outdated. And and ultimately what I'm, I'm really getting into now, which I think is my ultimate goal is to, to try to make doers in the fire service, to make people that will pass this message on long before I go. And not because Mark said so, but because they believe in it, okay. they believe in what we do. 
Um, you know, I I hear people people talk about legacy a lot. I you know I don't I don't think most people who have a legacy went into it looking to make a legacy. Looking right, right. And I just I don't I don't see myself in that light. If other people do that, it's cool. I I don't I'm that person. You know, I <laughs> I've told my fire chief before. You know, I just. I don't care if anybody remembers my name. I just want them to remember the things that I want them to be good at, you know? So if it's, Hey, there was some weird, you know, captain chief, whatever that worked here 15 years ago that was worried about hose layout. And that's why we're set up that way. That's fine for me, man. That's if it made people better, that that's it. So, right. I don't know. It's not really a lofty goal. I guess it's more of a, a broad picture, but you know, I think, uh, I spent a lot of time achieving my goal of becoming a battalion chief and I'm kind of in that spot now where I don't know what the next step is for me. So I'm just okay. trying to kind of enjoy this step. So okay, uh, maybe that answers your question. <laughs> maybe, maybe it just creates another one. No, no, no. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, it, it's, it's the individual, like what are your goals? And, and if that's one of your goals and that's to me, that's perfectly fine. But I, I would like to ask how does Mark alone try to incorporate making others around him better? Like what are some of the things you do to create that, that team atmosphere? I think it starts with, with just trying to be involved. And I, I'm a firm believer that nothing is ever below you. And, okay. and so I sum it up this way. And this has kind of been my whole take on, you know, my promotion is that understanding the difference between, things that you don't have to do and things that you won't do. And there should really never be anything that you won't do. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, when you start promoting as an engineer, as a company officer, as a chief officer, that you could go tell your boss, you know, Hey, I, I didn't do this today. And they'd be like, well, that's fine. That's not your primary responsibility, but that doesn't mean there won't come a time where you need to pick up a broom, where you need to wash your rig, you know, where you need to cook dinner for the guys or do a couple of dishes. And, what I have found is that by, by living that, by being present outside, by making time, you know, enough time to be with my crews, but also leaving them alone too, because there's things you can't do when the chiefs are out, you know, there's ways. Right. Um, and, and furthermore, if I'm always there interjecting, I'm kind of taking the company officer's job away. I'm kind of undermining them a little bit. So trying to find that balance, I think is how I do it. Um, I think trying to be good at my functions, you know, Hey, I can worry about what you guys do all day, but if I'm not doing my job good, if I'm not, you know, staffing, if I'm not running the scene, well, if I'm not QCing your reports, right. You know, all these things that people, you know, firemen QC and reports, why is that important? You know, well, mm -hmm. we'll be if we get called to court. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think bringing that into the equation is really just, just trying to be good and, and set the example um, but also sharing, trying to share the things that I've learned the hard way in a way that sets people up to have it in the back of their mind, but understanding that they still have to learn things the hard way too. Um, because we talk about all the time, you know, adversity is our best teacher. Failure is our best teacher. And why we have tried to outlaw that from things, I don't know. It's, it's a disservice to everybody. Um, you know, and I think too, just, you know, I started a thing and, and we've been mildly successful. Our staffing's been pretty bad lately, but I told the guys we worked at 4896 schedule. So I said, hey, um, on day two at nine o'clock, we're going to meet in the bay unless there's a call. We're all going to do mask up drills for five or 10 minutes. And then I'm going to cut you loose with the first do drill. And then the rest of the day is yours. But but that's my thing. And, and I explained it to them like, hey, I want to be able to share some knowledge. 
but also one, I want to maintain, maintain my skill set. You never mm-hmm. know when you're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, I want to know where you guys are at. I want to know how long it takes you to accomplish tasks. So when I'm sitting in this time capsule of a pickup truck over here with my little spreadsheet out and I assign you something, I'm not bothering you on the radio every 14 seconds because I know how long it takes you to do things. And, and I know what we need to work on as a crew. And to me, I think that goes a long way of letting people know that you do care about their success. You do care about their skill set. You care about their safety um, and you care about the team as a whole. Um, so, you know, I think work, right. <laughs> work, work is, is right. the answer. Okay. All right. Uh, in your opinion, what key elements or factors do you think are needed to make a good firefighter, regardless of rank? So I think number one, you have to be present. I've, I've seen a lot of talented people that didn't really care about the fire department as a whole, right? They wanted to be there when the bell dropped and they wanted to be there when the cameras were on, but you have to be present in the station of the, of the sense that you have to see the bigger picture, no matter where you are on the org chart. Yeah. You have to understand that sometimes things come down the pipe that, that suck, you know, in, in our view, but they're good for us and we don't realize it. Uh, you have to be, present enough to understand that you work as a team and Mm -hmm. you know you live and die by the guy next to you so it doesn't matter how good you are if the guy next to you sucks it took me a long time to learn that I was so worried about being me and being better than everybody else and and trying to show everybody how good I was and and then it hit me you know after I I think after I took the lateral more but maybe a little before that but you know you you need everybody on that truck and you're only as good as, you know, your weakest link. And it's cliche now, but it's true. And so if you're not present with those people, if you're just trying to say, oh, you know, Mark sucks. So we'll, we'll make do till he gets transferred. Well, you don't get to decide what happens between now and then. So be, be present with your crews. Um, be present with the community. You know, I don't live where I work, but I, I try to understand what's going on there. I try to understand the political dynamics of it. I try to get out in the community and treat everybody just like they were my neighbors. Um and I think ultimately, like we touched on in the beginning, but just be a doer. Like the disease going on right now, not only in the fire service, but society, it's just that people want to kick the bucket down the road for the next guy. Oh, this is broke, fix. You know, they just want to pass it on. Nobody tries to solve problems anymore. And we're right. <laughs> the self-proclaimed problem solvers of society. But in the fire station, we just want to hand it off to the next guy to fix it. We want to walk past the problem. And I call it like picking up the trash. You know, in my class, I post a picture of a trash can with a piece of paper on the ground next to it. I'm like, how many times have you walked by that in your firehouse? Do They start thinking the wheels are turning. I'm like, I hope you never can do it again because you could, you didn't make that problem, but you could fix it. And if we just had that mentality more, again, this is what we just talked about. That action in the fire station is while you'll chase kinks on the fire ground they 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 go with each other and so just being doers and you know i'm i'm fixing my lawnmower after i talk to you, you know i just fixed something on my ac earlier you know 10 years ago mark would have called somebody and paid somebody else to do it and i'm just at that point in life now i'm like no you need to learn how to do things for yourself you should know how to load your hose you should know how to how your engine works to a degree you should be able to troubleshoot basic things like fuses you know what i mean and fluids and and all these things and if i'm not encouraging people to tackle things they know nothing about and tear stuff up but you know some stuff is really really easy to fix right you know you could pass the buck down to the chief to call you know whatever corporation to get something fixed or you could do the light work and say hey 
this is broke. I call customer service. Here's the repair order number. I don't know the process to get a, you know, a, a check written or a purchase order done, but here's what I've done. And you know how much easier it makes it for the next person that chain and how much, you know, more fluid it makes the whole process. So, um, to me, those little things in the fire station, they make you productive on the fire ground. They make you that crew that wants to go to work, that one that's at the knocking on my window in, in the pickup truck, bothering the hell out of me going, send me, send me, send me. We want an assignment. Right. And guess what? You know who I'm going to send? That, those guys. Right. That, that's what I want. Because right. if you're a doer in the station, you're a doer on the fire ground. And that's that to me is what we need more of, especially in a society where people are are just content to sit on their phone and gripe about it to somebody else instead of actually taking action. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hit it on the nail there. I like that analogy too, because if you'll pass a trash can and won't put the paper in there, but once you start doing it, you'll also fix kinks when you see it. I like it. I really do. I, I like, that's, that's why I like it. I, like, I can't stand somebody that'll walk over a can. I don't care. I don't care if you're the damn mayor, right? If you know what a kink is, and you walk over it like you're just setting everybody else up downrange for failure. Right. Like that, it, there's just no other way. There is there is no valid excuse for me. Like whatever assignment you're doing, with the exception of like a writ activation, but even then, right? Like just pick up the kink. You're gonna need it later. And that's right. I, I've never. I don't. I don't understand how you could say you're into the fire service. You're a firefighter. This is your profession, and you can either a not notice it or b notice it and choose and just to make it somebody else's issue. Right. Unacceptable. Right. No, you're right. And, and and it does it does happen a lot because I also look at it as the uh um the when you go into the bathroom and the toilet paper, the, the right. roll is sitting on the, the mechanism, not actually attached into the mechanism. You know, it's too much work, man. It's too much yeah. work. Too much. You're but right. also we need a raise. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, what would you say, in your opinion, what would you say to a hungry, eager, motivated firefighter who feels like they're surrounded by a either a complacent culture or organization or even crew? Yeah, I think uh, the, the more seasoned Mark would tell you that you probably need to start in the mirror. Because yeah. what I came to realize was that a lot of the issues I had when I was younger in my career were my attitude and my delivery and my lack of respect for other people's accomplishments or, you know, labor or years of service. And, and I'm not saying that's a blank check to, to be lazy or anything, but I think sometimes we come in so young and hungry, we don't, we miss the message that some of the people that seem complacent or telling us to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, like it's a, it's a different conversation when you hit that point in your career and you understand how the, the toll it takes on your body and, you know, how hard it is to some days to enjoy, you know, a day of BS runs as, as much as great as it is compared to any other job. Like we have days. Mm -hmm. um, but then I would also say too, that you, you ultimately have the personal responsibility for your skill set for your career. Um, and so don't let other people stall you out. Don't let other people steal your, your passion for what we do, but also don't sabotage your career in pursuit of that. And, and I would, I would give you this example. I think it's, we have kind of this, I don't know what, I don't want to say it's resent or rebellious attitude about us kind of in the fire service now. And what I, what I kind of started realizing over the past four or five years is just that that narrative is out there 
and you if you solve the problems that narrative doesn't live anymore and i think sometimes we get so rebellious just to be rebellious that we don't even know why we're fighting anymore we just start finding things to fight about so does it really matter to me as a young motivated firefighter that that my captain doesn't really want to pull lines as long as they don't impede my ability to do it or you know because a lot of the time you know people will come out or they'll just give you feedback and don't get me wrong. There's people that are, they're hating on people and telling them, stop, you don't need to do that. And that's, that's a whole different conversation. But I think in my experience, anyway, the, a lot of the time it's just a misunderstanding of personalities and it's a misunderstanding of people trying to say like, Hey, it's not my primary job. Now I don't, I don't believe in that, but I, but I understand it. I, I get it. Um, and so I think just communicating with people as a young firefighter, taking the feedback and chewing on it a little bit before you just dismiss it because it's not what Mark said on the podcast or it's not what whatever freaking Facebook page put out there today with 4,000 shares of people that are not on your job. So what they think really doesn't mm-hmm. matter mm-hmm. Um, is a big thing. Um, but I would also say that you really need to start investing in yourself early in getting out and outside of your fire department, go, go to a class somewhere, go to a conference somewhere with the understanding that it may not apply, you know, apples to apples when you get back, but the Mm -hmm. knowledge and the experience is valuable. Um, And then the other side is also like, take care of your body. That's something we don't tell these kids enough. You know, this job is hard on you. And we're not talking about 20 years anymore. We're talking about 25, 27, 30, 30. 35, depending on your pension plan. If you have one, if you're lucky enough to have one. So, you know, get in the gym, get off your phone and get in the gym. If you're frustrated with people in your firehouse, go work out. (laughs) It's it's the best thing you do. And and with that, we actually, (laughs) I just had this conversation when we were in Missouri, stretch, do yoga get flexible because that's, what's killing me now is like my hips don't work like they used to. I try to advance line now. It's like, Oh, I don't really bend that way anymore. And you kind of take all these things for granted, but we don't teach our younger firefighters to take care of themselves enough because that's, what's going to make you an old firefighter someday. That's what's going to keep you centered, your mental health, your physical health. Your It's not all just get out there and skill set and, you know, go punch the fire in the throat. Like that's, that's part of it. But the other part of it is being, again, present, like we talked about earlier, but mindful of the bigger picture of what's going on with you and, and what's going to get you through to be that old guy that can make the changes you want to see that maybe your old firefighters aren't making, that maybe the senior guys aren't, aren't covering. If you want to survive in this career, I don't say survive, you know, like dead or alive, but just to be, to be tolerant throughout your career to where you're not a crusty old pissed off person at 20 years where you don't want to talk to people and you don't want to train, you don't want to run calls. It's because you metered all those other things that nobody else worried about. I will have to say you've, you've hit a couple, a couple, you've stated a couple of things that I know I do. So like with me, when I get to work, I like to call, I, I call it sweat equity. Like, Anytime I either, so like, I like to sweat because I see it as a form of payment giving back to the fire service. Cause you know, when I work, I work for 24 hours. So what I try to do is I try to do three things out of my 24 hours. I try to at least at minimum three hours. I do something. I do an hour of PT. I do an hour or if it goes more than an hour, that's fine too, of some sort of training. And I like to like listen to podcasts or, or reading a book or even watching a YouTube video because it all kind of circles back to the job. But like 
if I if I decide, hey, you know, I'm gonna go outside and stretch some line, flow some water, I'm not gonna go find my captain to go hit, tell him, hey, I'm 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 gonna go do this because to me, yes, he should know how to do that, but it's not my job to, you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna oh, go sure. be like, hey, cap, I'm gonna go stretch lines. I expect you out, like you know what I mean. So no, I'm just gonna go out there and do it. So I think I have gotten the the characteristic or the notion of he's just going to go out and do things and just do it. And he's not really going to announce it because that's just, that's just me. That's just how I was raised into the fire service. I'm not going to go to an officer and go, this is what I'm doing. You know, if you want to come join, join. If you see me out there, you come out there. Cool. If you don't cool too, because the way I look at it is it's my job to know how to pull that line. Not yours. You're going to go, Hey, which line you tell me and I'm going to do it. So I kind of, what you said, it resounded with me because I do do that. And then when I do get frustrated, I go out and work out because I, I have to have the, that's my outlet because oh, sure. of all the craziness and political BS that, that involves, you know, with the fire service. And I mean, you shouldn't, I don't think anybody should have to ask permission to go try to get better at the job. Like that, right. that is something that'll piss me off where you have, you know, and I've talked to kids and not even kids, I've talked to adults that, you know, my company officer, my chief will not let us hook up hose. They will not let us tag a hydrant. They won't let us take the ladders off the truck, like stupid crap. And I'm like, that that's a whole different issue. And, you know, right. unfortunately, I can't solve that issue for you because I don't, I don't work for your organization. Right. And that's, right. it's obviously acceptable because it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, but nobody should have to ask permission, especially if you're doing it in a way that doesn't put the rig out of service. You exactly. Know, if, you're, if you're pulling a 24 off the truck to throw a ground ladder, I'm pretty sure you can get it. You're already out there. So you can get <laughs> you it back get... on the truck before we turn out. <laughs> right. It's not like we're going to just toss it in the yard. Right, um, right. But, you know, a, another thing to try, too, I think, it, and you just kind of hit me when you said it, right? Like, you try to do an hour of this, an hour of that, right? And, and it's a great goal to have. Um, but I think sometimes, it, and, and I, I believe in this with writing, I believe in it in speaking, like words matter to people. Like words will will decide for somebody before whatever you're talking about even comes to fruition. So I encourage people like, hey, if you're in a situation where people don't really want to do much, just ask for a half hour. Because it, it, like 30 minutes is a different time in your head than an hour as far as what you're assessing. Okay. If you have people that aren't into it, Hey, you know, do you mind, do you mind if we go pull a couple lines for, you know, a little while or, you know, you, you don't have to have a time, but if you had a time, like, Hey, can we just go pull lines for 30 minutes, blah, blah, blah. Maybe people are more open to it. And what I've found is that, especially if you're busy, if you have these goals of, Hey, we need to do four hours of training today. It's such a monstrous task. Sometimes when it, when the, when you do have things to do in the station, you get the call volume up that, I almost try to break it up into smaller chunks now because it's easier for us to go out there and pull a cross light twice and pack it back up and then go do something else and then come back and throw a couple ladders or something. And that's why I started doing the mask up thing. Like, Hey, let's just come out here and, you know, if you guys do more when I'm done with it, that's fine. Right. Um, right. You know, and a lot of the time the training, <laughs> you set out to do 30 minutes of training. You're probably going to do it out. Mm -hmm. By the time you reset and you talk, do to it again. Yep. BS about you know whatever people across the street did because we're firemen. You know we got to talk about everything. You know next thing you know you spend an hour and a half out there. Mm -hmm. You know it's the same thing when you get into like hydrants and pre plans. You're doing all these things and nobody wants to do like. Well, that's because usually, at least in my experience, I don't know how it is where you work, but we wait till the last minute and now it's oh we got to get a hundred of these done this week. Where if right. we would have just done five of them every shift throughout the year, we've been done by like. 
Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's our own fault sometimes with with how we address that. But I think um, it, it's if you're in a if you're in a with a crew that really is a bunch of go getters, like whatever, man, you don't even have to name a time because you're just going to get after it all day, right? But if you're fighting that complacent group, you're fighting the stifled, you know, the disenfranchised, like sometimes maybe maybe an hour a day is not what you want total with all those things. But if you can get people out for an hour, that's an accomplishment. And then let it happen. You know, we're always in such a hurry, but let it build. Let them see the value. And I think you'll find that it ends up being more time later down the road, especially when you're trying to do it as a group. And that's not to say that, hey. I got an hour out of my crew today, but then I went back out for an hour after dinner by myself and did it. And now you're still hitting your time frames, but now you involve other people. So that's a tactic you can try, you know, successful sometimes, other times it's not. Okay. All right. Uh, in your opinion, what do you think? What's at least one thing? I'll, I'll, yeah, I need to change that. What's one thing the American Fire Service can improve on? Just one. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you if you got more, you shoot. No, but, you I, mean, know, I, I always, I always, because some people are like, and I'm like, all right, well, just narrow it down to one. I, I think data, honestly. Okay. Um, the more that I have taught, and the more I've stuck, I've wrote, I really have tried to become more scholarly, scholarly in it because, you know, anybody can make a PowerPoint and and put their opinion out there and it's an opinion, but I've really tried to bring facts into my classes and especially because like, I'm very, I'm very careful about what I choose to teach or participate in. Cause I don't, I know where my experience lies and where it doesn't. I don't want to be one of those people that's just out there, you know, trying to mm-hmm. have a name. Um, but you know, when I, when we talk about staffing models and we talk about fire ground tasks and we talk about, you know, people before water and, and victim rescue and all these wonderful things that are happening. There's just not a lot of data out there to support it. I mean, I think the last staffing study is over 10 or 15 years old now, if I remember right. Um, you know, and why does that matter? We're in a time where we can't staff, we keep cutting people, but we're, we're not, we keep going and saying we need people, but how many people are going to their you know city council and saying, Hey, well, the last study, which mind you was 15 years ago with mm-hmm. different equipment and different stuff, Mm-hmm. You know, it was, you know, we were talking about a minute plus or minus if we added or subtracted somebody from any fire ground test. Oh, except for search, which was plus or minus three minutes, you know, which is why we exist. So, yeah, the fact that you did just take one person off our rig to save a couple bucks, this is what it equals, right? Oh, and then now we know about fire dynamics. And so that plus or minus three minutes is a big deal because this is what happens in the compartment during that. And, oh, why do you need all these trucks? And why do you need all these nozzles? And blah? And it's just, I feel like if we had the data to support it, and, and we rely so heavily on run data and lost data, which are just horrible statistics to me to try to sell ourselves as a fire service, being busy to be busy doesn't mean shit. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. Right. And, you know, I'll throw it out there. And if somebody steals my idea, they can steal it. Because quite frankly, I've sat on it long enough and I, I haven't had the time to attack it. But I think it's funny how we have glamorized. Let me let me preface this before I say it because somebody's going to tear me up over this. Okay. I have no problem with EMS and the fire service. I can think of no more qualified individuals to revive me or my victims than people that are cross trained in fire and EMS, despite how hard it is to be good at both of them. Mm-hmm. So let me put that out there. Having said that, I think it is a complete travesty that we treat medical call volume and fire call volume 100% differently. 
we look at fire call volume qualitatively, like was it a real structure fire? How many rooms were involved? Did you put a stop on it? How much loss? But when we look at EMS call volume, it's, oh, well, 75% of what we do is EMS. Okay. How many of those are cardiac arrests? How many of those had ROS? You know, how many of those were a, a taxi ride? How many of those did we send a fire engine to just because the protocol says we need somebody to take vital signs because the ambulance is 30 minutes out? Right. And I'm not knocking these things. I don't want people to take it wrong. I'm just saying that we don't look at those things the same. And so if we really want data to work for us, we got to start looking at property saved. And that means that you're going to have to take a little more time when you're doing your report to actually mm -hmm. pull up a calculator and get on the GIS or whatever you use tax website to figure out the pre-fire value, the actual percentage burn, go, there's a formula out there in a spreadsheet for what the contents is and all that. Right. We're going to have to take some more time than that. Right. We're also going to have to stop treating the, the inference report as a burden and actually pay attention to the codes we're putting in. It matters, you know, and, and these are the shortcuts we take on the back end. But I think we're in a society now where it's very data driven. It's very technological. And the days of just going down there with doom and gloom, people are going to die is over. Because let's be honest, the, the average person, the average person in your district that pays taxes will never use you as a fire service. They might come to your firehouse. They might see you at a, you know, a job fair or a community event. But, you know, for every thing about it like this, the next time you're at work and you're driving around your district, instead of trying to talk about, hey, remember we went there? Remember we went there? Just look at all the houses you've never been to. Look mm -hmm. at the, there's neighborhoods in your district you've probably never entered on an emergency call. Mm -hmm. Other than fire hydrants or something else, right? Right. And so if you really think about that, it's a hard sell for people to invest in something that they probably won't use. Mm -hmm. Most people have a greater chance of using EMS, but even then the majority of EMS calls are the same part of same. our population. Yep. Over and over. Yep. Uh, the only difference between the two that I can tell and somebody smarter than me, hopefully will listen to this and call me and correct me, but one is tax-based and one is still insurance-based. And because there's money in EMS, it gets treated differently. Why can't we just charge a, a EMS tax? Like we charge a fire tax. Figure out how many, I, I just, you know, and I get it. It's not that simple, but maybe it is. Um, and so to me, as, as a fire service, I think that's what we're doing. We could do better in because that would influence our training. That would influence our requirements. You know, why is our curriculum the way it is? Why are we continuing to train the same way when crew size is down? Why are we still asking two people to throw a 24 foot ladder in most academies? Why is that the standard? Because we don't have the data to really sit down and talk about facts. We just have the stuff that makes us feel comfortable because I hate to use the cliche, but that's the way we've always done it. That's the way we've always done it. You know, and, and yep. I'm glad we're starting to see finally some of like the hose movement and the search techniques are starting to change, especially in a lot of these Metro academies. But, you know, it just takes time for that to, to trickle down to the regional academies and the state academies. And unfortunately, by the time it does, a lot of the time it's, we're on to the next thing. We're right? on to that, so yeah. Yeah. We're on really to the next fab. Up, I think is, is the key. And, and we have NIST and we have, we have all these government funded things that'll do us for it. We, we just have to ask the questions. You're right. But most places don't want to, because either they don't want change or they don't know what they don't know. Or another key phrase is it's because that's just always what we've done. You know, but it all comes back to, to, to me, the nine, the important nine letter word of standards For sure. and, and we need to have it. And so I mean, I'll, it, piggyback, I'll piggyback on that. And what I said about data, 
is that at, at some point in the very, very near future, if we're not putting helmet cams or body cams and dash cams on everything we own, like we got problems mm -hmm. because what I have gathered is that we are scared of what it's going to show. That, that's oh, absolutely. The absolutely. That is the issue. And, and I think this is a situation where the fire service could really, for once in its freaking history, be proactive yep. to see that the cops are under more scrutiny than they've ever been in their life, right? Mm -hmm. EMS was the next domino because, again, you talk about interaction. People act, interact with the police more than EMS, EMS more than fire. Let's go ahead and put those things and turn them on now before anybody knows we have them so we can start figuring out where Excellent. we're deficient and cleaning it up. Exactly. You don't have to put every interaction that you record on your year in review video on the internet. You don't right. have to put any of it on the internet. Yeah, it could be just for like a, a private collection of, hey, guys, you could put it in like the training division of this. is I'm going to show you this. This is how we can get better. And how many convert, how many arguments, how many, how much turmoil would just be solved with the whole, we need to do it this way. You know, this, this isn't realistic. Cool. Let's watch our, our videos from our freaking fires, our wrecks, our med calls and what you're actually doing. And then we'll train based off that instead of what Mark says or what Danny says, or, you know, whoever says, let's take those concepts and then look at our, our game film, right? You know, we're athletes. Let's look at the game film. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm sorry, that's going to be a hard pill to pop or pill to swallow. But, you know, you go back to what you asked me in the beginning, how I kind of got on this adventure. I had a helmet cam and I used to think I was pretty awesome. But I watched one too, vid too many videos of me taking a minute 30, minute 45 to mask up in the front yard to realize I wasn't shit. I really wasn't. And that, that, that one factor, putting that little clock in the bottom of that corner of that mm -hmm. video mm -hmm. will make you humble whether you're ready to be or not. Yep. And, and why we why we will not ask ourselves that as a profession is it, it's just ludicrous to me. And and I it's because we don't want to know the answer because we already know the answer. We just don't want to know. We don't want just, to confirm. You, you don't want to confirm it. exactly. And it goes back to ego. It's funny because I said the same thing yesterday. We went to the training grounds. Mind you, it was a Sunday too. I know, shocking for anybody listening. We went to the training grounds on a Sunday. Like unheard oh, of, yeah. unheard yeah, of, right? Make sure the sun is still out. They're gonna come back. I mean, <laughs> my gosh, the world must have ended yesterday, and I didn't know. Unheard of. Um, but no, we did a couple. We did a couple simple drills. Nothing crazy. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to explain to my firefighter, who who's been on for two years now. Hey, everything we do is time, seconds, minutes, hours. Time matters in this. So. One thing, you know, I was telling them to do is, hey, learn how to do everything with the gloves on because it never fails. You're going to watch something where the last thing that they're doing and, you know, your hands get sweaty when you're working there and they're using their teeth to pull to get the gloves on. Mm. Gloves saves time. And yeah, I mean, I preach, man. I, I kind of I was. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where the word standard. Right. I hate whenever the fact that we kind of use standards in a way on everything we do when it, when it comes to our performance evaluations, I'm sure every department does performance evaluation. Well, he meets, he or she meets, meets the minimum standard to me. That's like saying, okay, they're a little bit above a piece of shit, you know? And, and, and I'm saying that frankly, because I hate the fact that we kind of use those, those, 
qualifications or a curriculum as if we do a job where we sit behind a fucking desk all day. We don't. We're out in the field. So whenever you go, yeah, okay, yeah, he's just he or she's just above the minimum standard, we're good with that. No, we shouldn't be okay with that. We should want everybody to be great at this job. Because I'm sorry, I don't want a minimum standard person behind me as my backup man or my slack man, you know, because that just means, yeah, they're uh, they're they're good enough, but they're really not. See, that's where, again, I go back to like how how under how we undervalue words. Just have a standard. The fact that you call it a minimum indicates that it's not worth its weight. Exactly. So just just have the standard and maybe. You know, and, and I get it. You know, I, I've had a lot of conversations with people much more experienced and smarter than me. You know, you're not going to get, you know, an entire roster of Patrick Mahomes, right? It's, it's not, there has, there, there are position players, right? There, there are players in, on every team that, that have a function that is not to be a superstar. And without them, the team would, you know, you, you can't afford it. Right. But, but the standard for those guys is still pretty freaking high. You can't. Right. You can't come in and be a piece of crap at what you do because, oh, that's all right. We've got, you know, the best guy in the league at the helm. Like, it, it doesn't work that way. And so, again, just have the standard. This Don't call it a minimum standard. Damn that word because mm-hmm. it matters, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a word. Nothing else changes, but that word changes how we view it. Exactly. And, you know, the, the curriculum, you know, this is something, I guess, I, I going back to goals, right? I've heard time and time again from people, the reason that our curriculums are the way they are, the reason that our textbooks are the way they are is because people like me and like you don't get on the, the groups that validate them and, and contribute to them. And until we, we change that, that's how, you, that's how you elevate it because there, there has to be a curriculum if we want to be certified. And if we want more money, we have to be certified. That's just the way of the world. I, mm-hmm. I don't care whether you like it, agree with it, whatever. Now, I, mm-hmm. I think we've gotten a little overboard with what we require in some of this stuff and the, the hours of these academies, especially on the volunteer side. My God, I don't know how anybody volunteers anymore. Exactly. Especially if you weren't grandfathered into a certification that made sense time-wise. But, right. but if you want to change that, you have to be a part of these groups that write the curriculum that the test is tied to. And I'm sorry, there has to be a test. Otherwise it's just objective. It's subjective. It's okay. Well, in Mark's fire department, this is okay. So there has to be a test. And I know that sucks, but what else is there not a test for? Right. You have a test to drive a car. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we can go on and on. So, mm-hmm. um, but that, but that's really how you up that standard is you get people that are squared away that see the value of being able to do things with your gloves on. And you know what? Maybe you can do it in 30 seconds without your gloves on. I'm cool. The standard is still the same. How right. you get there doesn't matter. Exactly. But it's not 30 for me because I use my gloves in a minute for you because, oh, well, that just doesn't work for you. Too freaking bad. Figure it out. I did. Right. The next guy did. And guess Mr. and Mrs. Smith don't give a crap what you figured out. They just know like that, you know, how many times we've seen they're in that building calling for help. And, and like I said, going back to my example, and I'm on my helmet cam showing why I suck in the yard. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be acceptable. Somebody else should catch that. You shouldn't be personally responsible for being the only person to say, hey, okay, I, I should get better. That, right. That all of us should be doing that under that accountability. Right. right. No, 100% agreed. And, and, and I want to state this. I'm not saying that I myself, I am not good at everything. But what here lately, what I have been doing for myself is I have been hitting being better at being a firefighter and an EMT because to me those two 
That's the bread and butter of my profession. Yes, there's high angle rescue, there's hazmat, low angle water rescue, whatever, all that, all that, what I call fluff that a lot of departments are embracing that, you know, we're a jack of all trades. But when you ask where I work for, the department I work for, it starts with fire first. Granted, fires are down, but it's still the fire department, not the water rescue department or whatever. We're firing EMS based. Those two hand in hand. So that's what I try to get better at. And I, I am very humble to say I am not I am not the best at everything, but I try my damnedest to be 110%. I give it my all every fucking day I go to work. Yep. And that's but that's where that analogy comes full circle, right? You need a you need a Patrick Mahomes of water rescue, and he will be good enough to get everybody else through it. Mm-hmm. You need a Patrick Mahomes of hazmat. Because they will be good enough to get all the guys like me and you that aren't, you know, I don't think anybody's really good at everything, but where we used to have specialty companies that did nothing but that, well, now those specialty companies still exist. They're just kind of intertwined on a ladder company, on an engine company, on a medic unit somewhere. And so when we converge on a call now, you just got to know who your players are, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. And and you have to have a basic understanding of what's going on to to basically not be part of the problem. Right. And let the guy who's dialed in on it, who's passionate about it, who's ate up with it, let them guide the incident. I don't care what the rank is. I don't care what their years of service are. The best person in that discipline should be the one either they're not directly calling the shots next to the shot caller saying, hey, we need to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man. Felt like we we're right down a rabbit hole. But I had to say that, man. I had to get <laughs> off my chest because this is one of those things. You know, we're we're like losing touch of what we do, who we are. And that's great that we can say we provide this service, that service. That's awesome. But I feel like at the same time, we're losing focus on the primary mission of being there, fire and EMS. I mean, as much as you know, I don't I don't work in a job town. I'd love to, but yeah. fire fires are down and I don't. But I still want to make sure. Not if, I always use that, not if, when that call comes out, it's not going to come to as a shock. Like, oh shit, like what's on fire? Oh man, I haven't seen, you know what I mean? Like I'm always dialed in to be ready. Um, It doesn't take much, like we said. Right. A couple of poles a day, a mask up. Mask up drill, throw that. I'm telling you, I've said this same thing. Do some throw bags for the water rescue, done. But you got to be disciplined and you got to be accountable every day. You got to do it as a team so you have time management. And you're still yes. going to be behind because, let's be honest, like, it, it's a lot. Yeah. But, you know, as I've learned kind of really more so over the past couple of years is that when that call comes in, they don't care. They don't care that it's not your primary job. They don't care <laughs> exactly. that you don't have staff. They don't care that you don't like it. And so it's a it's the catch-22 of the fire service. You love it, hate it, doesn't matter. You're going to do it. So do it as well as you can. Yeah. No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, I have, uh, yeah, I got two questions for you because you, because you, because you're a chief officer now. So I always like to interject these two questions. It strikes again. No, 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 you're good. They're they're easy. They're easy. The first question is, do you believe in order to affect change within a department, you need to promote? Hmm. So I'm a big hockey fan. So I'm going to go with the answer of one of my, my favorite hockey talk radios. Yes, no, maybe so. And I'm going to say maybe so. Okay. Um, because people can flu- confuse rank and influence constantly. 
and mm-hmm. you can 100% influence change in your department from wherever. Uh, it's in the in the right environment. You have people willing to listen. You have people that don't have an ego. One hundred percent. I I was able to make change as a firefighter. I was able to make change as an engineer, company officer, whatever. Um, I allow people on my crew at at any level. If you have a good idea, we'll run with it. Um, right. The maybe so is because your ability to carry out that change on the bigger picture beyond your yourself or maybe your crew or even your station, depending on what your rank is, drastically improves the higher up the ladder you are because you have the positional authority, you have the ability to fund things, you have the ability to present things to, you know, decision makers outside of the organization. And so I guess to sum it up, you would say that you can make change from, from any level of the organization, but how far and wide that change goes is often influenced by whether where you fall on the organizational ladder. I would also say that most people who are into making change that, that and again, change doesn't have to be a thing. Sometimes the change is not changing, if we're being honest, it's sticking with something. But right. people who want to be influential in their organization are going to promote whether they like it or not. And I say that for two reasons. One, your organization is going to push you there because they need people that are responsible, you know, that that can be relied upon, that are going to carry things out. They need them to move up. Right. And then the other side of it is if you're dialed in, you don't know another way. You're, you're naturally going to rise to the top. You're going to be a high performer. You're going to want to do more. You're going to want to you're going to want to call the shots at some point. You can say all day long as a backseat firefighter, oh, I never want to promote bullshit. You will get to a point where you are going to want to call the shots. Either A, because you're confident in your abilities, you're educated, you're trained, or B, you're just, I don't, shit, I don't want to listen to that guy. Right. That guy's not going to, that guy's not going to be my boss. I, I will run for promotion before I work for that guy. And, and right. sadly, sometimes that's the catalyst you need, but I've seen a lot of great people finally take the plunge because of that. Okay. All right. And uh, last question. Do you believe communication amongst the ranks from top to bottom, bottom to top is a must for a department to be successful. Maybe so. <laughs> right? This is a cop-out answer. I'm learning to be centralist in my new chief role. Okay. But, okay. That's fine. No, in all reality, the answer is yes. Um, but with some, some caveats to it. Uh, I think that what I have learned the most in my progression through organizations is that we do communicate a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. But we also want to know things that are well outside our purview a lot. And, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I, I love that the backseat firefighter wants to know what's going on with the budget. That tells me you care. That tells mm-hmm. me you have a much broader understanding of the department. Right. Um, but having said that, you know, the fire chief is not in his office doing budgeting, thinking about telling the backseat firefighter how many you know dollars we have for med supplies. It, it's not there are too many other things going on. And so I think when it comes to communication, you have to ask yourself, you know, A, what do I I really, really need to know to effectively accomplish my job, my Mm -hmm. job, the position I'm in, not my boss's job, not my boss's boss's job, you know, but my current role. And then also, are you reading the emails that we send out? Are you reading the dashboards around the station? Are you reading the bulletin board? You know, do you read the ops logs that get passed down? You know, I don't, I don't know if you're in a part. I'm sure everybody does something similar. Are you reading oh, yeah. the logbook in the station? Right. You know, there's a lot of communication out there, but you have to go look for it. So if you're waiting for somebody to come sit you down every day and say, 
you know, well, firefighter alone, let me tell you about my day as the fire chief yesterday. First, I went to City Hall. Me and the mayor talked about this. And I thought you'd like to know that. And then we talked to the city council. And, oh, did you know? It's That's some fantasy. Right. The other side of this is that sometimes we communicate too much to the point where now we worry about things that we shouldn't be worried about. And they distract us from doing all these other things. You know, at the end of the day, you need something that runs with equipment on it and three or four guys that are ready to get after it and nothing else that happens in your department, nothing, nothing else that happens in the department that day is going to influence whether you're successful on the fire ground, other than whether you trained yourself, you educated yourself and, and you want to be there. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter what else is going on. Um, I know why people want to know information. I want to know information. It sucks to feel left out. Um, and and I, I encourage people that if you can share information to share it a hundred percent, you, I don't think you can really share too much information with people. Um, but at the same time, I think you just have to be very, very cognizant of the fact that there's some things that just can't be shared and and that sucks. And they may not seem that you may not understand the reason. It's kind of like when I was in the military, right? It's not the piece of information. It's the source. It's how it was derived. And so sometimes it's hard to say something without throwing the city council under the bus, right? Or the, you know, the, the high, highly influential citizen in your district under the bus or the fire chief under the bus or your boss under the bus, whatever it may be. And sometimes not all communication is good, but I think if we really sat down and looked at just how much information we have at our fingertips through email, through our reporting software, through log books, we probably know a little bit more than we admit. All right. I love the answers. Love the answers, man. I, you know, granted, I didn't know you as a younger person, but as we get older, you know, like especially with you being a battalion chief, and you you absorb the information instead of reacting to it. You know, like before, like I was a hothead, you'd say something to me, I wouldn't even let it register, and I'd be like firing right back at you. Oh, but <laughs> as we get older, like you get wiser and you, you know, you just, you start, you absorb it, process it, and then you spit the information back out. So awesome. Awesome. The, the hardest thing in your career will be staying true to who, this is where not forgetting where you come from comes into play. Mm-hmm. Staying true to the values you had all along, but accepting that you will become the firefighter or company officer, or chief officer, that you always said you weren't going to become, <laughs> you will become that. You have to become that person. And it's not because you're a sellout. It's, it's a, it's a maturity thing. It, you know, it, like you said, it's a season thing, but it's just staying true to what you believe in. That's right. That's what it is for me. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's all I got. Uh, if this was a, a good conversation, I am finally glad that we got to do this. Sure. Uh yeah, man. I don't have any. Do you have anything else? Do you want to uh, shameless plugs is what I call them. If you have anything you want to say, how people can get in contact with you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty. I I don't give out my number because I get too many telemarketers. So I answer <laughs> numbers. I don't know. Right, um, right. Pretty much uh, the fire inside on Instagram or uh, Facebook or uh, the fire inside.org on the Internet. Try to keep up where I'm traveling and things on that. I try to write a little bit here and there. Like I said, it's been a little sparse, but um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. I enjoy doing these things. I enjoy meeting other people. I don't know why you had to schedule me after David Rhodes because nobody's going to listen to it now. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, so all good. <laughs> Trust me, that. Uh, and I've had people ask me, like, it was one of those things. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to shoot my shot. Thinking he was, and if Chief Rhodes listening, you know, 
no offense to you, but thinking he was just going to read it and be like, mm, yeah, okay, now I'm good. But he replied back, and the next day I get a email back, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then, like, he puts, yeah, tell me what you need. And I'm like, oh, shit. And so I send it to him. I'm counting down the days on my calendar, right? Like, all right, the day comes. Uh, his appointment was at 4 o'clock he chose. So, like, I usually give 15, pe- people 15, 20-minute grace period and, like, 401, 402, 403, <laughs> 404. And I'm like, fuck. Like, I'm sure he forgot because it's David Rhodes. 405, his name pops up on my computer screen. And he, I click admit, and then I see his video. I see him. And the first thing I tell him is, like, I can't believe I'm talking to David Rhodes. And <laughs> this is how, just to show you his humility, he looks at me through the computer and he goes, I'm no different than you. I'm just a man. And I was just like, wow. So yeah, definitely for those listening, shoot your shot. Whether it's like talking to somebody in the fire service or uh, you see a a guy or a girl out there, you're like, hey, you know what? I want to go see if I can talk and get him out on a date. You don't know unless you ask. Shoot your shot. And that's all I did. So, I'll end it on this note, man. I'm just a nobody from nowhere. I've been saying it for years. I'm just a nobody from nowhere. That that's all. It doesn't matter. Just awesome. Love what we do and be good at it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mark, I appreciate it, man. This is a really good episode. Yeah, you're welcome, uh, man. Thanks for having th- me. Thanks for accepting and coming on. Absolutely. All right, pal. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.